Well, hello and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We missed the last couple of shows uh, last Friday and Wednesday due to uh, circumstances in our life. And we apologize for that. However, uh, everything is well and settled for the time being. So um, there's no, no need for concern. But things did come down to the wire this afternoon. So we weren't exactly sure if we were going to be able to uh, broadcast this evening. But here we are. And uh, we're live and uh, welcome everyone. So please feel free to say hello in the chat. Um, we can see numbers of people in but um, unfortunately, we, uh, for whatever reason, we can't see a list of uh, people who are um, are uh, tuning in unless you say hello in the chat. Um, so tonight, we wanted to address just what is this phenomena that we experience called ego and its relationship and significance to us and our journey. And in order to explore this phenomena, we decided we would look at the phenomena of alter egos. Oh, hello. Hello. Hello, Sean. Hello, Melissa. Glad to see you here. Glad you could join us. Uh, we have a slightly different setup. So when we're looking at the uh, the chat, it's we're going to be looking well away from the camera <laughs> because of the way we've we've uh, rearranged our uh, monitors situation. So uh, by mo by no means are we uh, ignoring you or <laughs> being distracted. It's just uh, you are over there. Hello, Roy. Hello, Cassandra. Glad that you could all make it. And so, as we were saying, this phenomenon of alter egos. We often hear the term avatar used. And that term is used very specifically in esoteric terms. In esoteric terminology, avatar means something very specific. For example, when we refer to the avatar of Aquarius or the avatar of Pisces, that term refers to those bodhisattvas, those individuated essences of the Christ that come and self-realize, they become Christified masters, and they reincarnate and serve humanity and the whole planet as the avatar for that particular age. So Jesus is the avatar of Pisces. Samael Amayor is the avatar of Aquarius. And each age is, is defined by a astrological sign that relates directly to the procession of the equinox in the temporal unfolding of the planet's existence. So one age follows another, follows another, and each age has its avatar sort of 
in crude terms, one can look at it from the perspective of an avatar of an age is like the patron saint of that age. That is the, the being who is responsible, particularly for humanity and humanity's development spiritually, esoterically, metaphysically for that age. And so the avatars come to teach and they also assist in the development of initiates even after they have gone. So Master Samael Anwayor, for example, is continuing his work. He continues to teach and, and instruct in the astral plane. And you can visit him. You can go and see him. You can seek guidance and teachings from him directly if you awaken in the astral plane. So that is the official esoteric, metaphysical, spiritual definition of avatar. But the term avatar, as we know, has been degenerated, if you will, been given more mundane definitions. Of course, there's the movie Avatar, and there is the phenomenon of avatars in chat groups online where you can have a little digital representation of yourself, and that is your avatar in the chat group, in the discussion group online. Avatars also refer to characters in MMORPGs and other types of video games. Your avatar is a representation. It is a digital vehicle or a vessel by which you can exist in the virtual world through this phenomena, this, this digital entity called an avatar. It's also been called a tune, your tune. You, you might, you, if you listen to people who play these games, they will often refer to their, their character or their avatar as their tune. That expression comes from, of course, cartoon, because cartoons, as we know, are just are fabrications. They're, they're drawn entities, but they come to life through their voice. And that voice is most often the voice of a real actor, a real voice actor. And so the cartoon or the tune is the avatar and the actor performs using their voice, using their intonation, inflection, etc., And the avatar is a visual vehicle or vessel that combines with that voice. So these terms are used rather loosely, but also they're transferable in the realm of the digital world. Character, your character in a video game, your avatar in a video game, your tune, your avatar in a chat group, etc. What is most interesting about this phenomena 
of the avatar is its relationship to the alter ego. Now, the alter ego is a, a concept which really appears in the literary world and the world of adventure stories, the world of film and literature and this idea that there are these characters, these heroes, which exist and which perform great feats and great deeds. But they perform these deeds under the guise of an alter ego. And they, in fact, this alter ego is their secret identity. Now, this concept is most prolific in comic books and superheroes. And probably we all are familiar with the superhero trope. Um, let's just, we, we do have some visual aids that we uh, are going to share. Okay, so we're probably all familiar with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, these characters, the Flash, they all have their alter ego. And it's interesting that their true self actually is the, the hero. The superhero is the true self. The alter ego, and the superhero is also their, quote, secret identity. Their alter ego is this normal self, this facade that they put on, that they change into in order to blend in with the rest of us. That's the trope in, in comic books. And of course, this is these are just the, the DC film superheroes and of course, Marvel has its equivalent, and this is we just decided to choose this image because it happens to be Lego. But these are all these superheroes and their their alter egos side by side. There are interesting versions of this, however, whereby in some cases, for example, the Incredible Hulk. The superhero is the Hulk. The alter ego is Dr. Banner. And yet the Hulk is out of control. The Hulk is this, he's a superhero, yes, but he's like a monstrosity. And Dr. Banner is the intelligentsia that created the, the monstrosity. So there's an interesting interplay between the hero and the alter ego. And sometimes that alter ego and the hero is reversed. 
So another example of this is Iron Man, where Tony Stark, it's the alter ego, but the superhero is the Iron Man suit. The Iron Man suit, it has an artificial intelligence named Jarvis. And Tony Stark, and that Tony Stark is the pilot, is the hero inside of this vessel that enables him to become a superhero. It's sort of the case with Batman as well. Batman puts on his costume and that allows him to be a superhero. In some cases, it's the reverse where the hero, the superhero, for example, Superman has to change into his alter ego to become Clark Kent. The same is true for Wonder Woman, who's Diana, and she has to change, she has to put on a costume to assume her alter ego to be able to blend in with everyone else. So this phenomenon of alter egos and secret identities and superheroes, this in the comic book world isn't treated in a universal way. It is, it is played with, and there are many, many versions of it. But it's safe to say that in the application of it, in the world, in the world, and in the world of video games, in the virtual worlds that we create, in order to go and play in, there is a very specific phenomenon taking place. And we create alter egos in order to enter into virtual worlds and occupy virtual worlds. And this is something that players of these games take very seriously. For example, we'll just show you this. Uh, this is sped up, um, but what this is showing is the character creation of a uh, of an MMO RPG called um, Black Desert Online. This is the character creation, and it has to be sped up because this process takes. A very very long time but you can see all the ways in which a player is able to fabricate an alter ego for themselves and yet this alter ego is the hero of the story so um, this is the character that the player is going to use in order to exist in the uh, in the in the simulation in the virtual world and uh, the popularity of these games a lot of the popularity or a lot of the selling point has to do with how much customization is available uh, for the player just how much control do you have over your avatar, over your character in the game world. And as you can see, this is, we've been watching this demo here. This is, these are using the exact same character creation tool 
starting from exactly the same starting point. And you can begin to appreciate just the, the levels or the breadth or the scope of customization that they make available to the player. And again, players take this very seriously. And this is a big selling point to them in order for to play these, these online games, Be, not least because these online worlds are massively multiplayer. They are MMOs, meaning the world is populated, the virtual world, fantasy world usually, is populated by uh, thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or millions of other characters. And behind each character is a real person. And so there is some sort of community or social aspect to these games whereby your, how you express yourself through your avatar, through your character, says something about you. Or at the very least, you can project whatever image you want to project in, in the game world through their avatar. So what we're seeing now is someone who took a photo of themselves and created a character in the game world that looks like herself. There's, there's another example. Well, this is actually not, this is actually a famous, um, not, or not so famous actress. So someone decided that they're going to make a character that looks like this actress, right? And that's what they're, that's what they're doing here. So you get the idea. Just how seriously do players of these virtual games take this character creation and how their avatar looks? Well, there's another game called Path of Exile, and we're just going to play it in the background with, with no sound here. This is a, a massively multiplayer action role-playing game. So you never really see your character all that much. This is what you're doing here is is uh, uh, killing hordes of demons and monsters, and it's just a just a frenetic, fast-paced action role-playing game. But this game is entirely free to play. You can download and install and play this game for free, and you never have to spend a penny if you don't want to. The only way you can spend money in this game are for some quality of life, what they call quality of life uh, features, which just improves the overall usability of the game. But these are not requirements for the, to play the game. They just make, make life a little bit easier while you're playing the game. And the other thing that you can buy in Path of Exile are cosmetics. And there's actually, this is a community showcase of those cosmetics for the latest league. And what you're seeing here are actual players showing off characters that they've created and adorned, dressed up, if you will, uh, in the game, and 
what's interesting to note is everything that you see here, these players had to buy. They had to buy the looks that you see here. This is digital fashion for a non-existent, for, for a virtual character in a virtual world that you barely see. The only time you really get to, you, you can zoom in clearly, you can zoom in on your character. You can zoom in on the game screen and there are public areas where people running around can see each other's characters. And this creates a kind of social pressure, if you will, that when you see your character compared to other characters and they look really cool or really awesome or really whatever, you want your character to look awesome as well. And you want to put your own unique signature on your avatar, on your tune. So when we ask the question or we say just how important is this to people playing these games? This game, Path of Exile, as you can see up here, it's free to play. Its business model relies on players wanting to look a certain way. And their, their, their business model relies on providing players essentially fashion for their virtual characters, for their avatars. And so powerful is the desire, is the pull for people to express themselves through their avatar in this way that people are willing to invest a lot of money into making their characters look the way that you see here. And it's that money which supports the development team that runs this game because otherwise it's completely free to play. So just, tr but these are completely cosmetic changes. These additions to these characters have absolutely zero impact on gameplay. There is no practical, meaningful reason for players to invest money into these looks. These are just what they, what they call transmogrifications. It's just basically skins that you take your existing weapon or armor or whatever that you're wearing and you apply the new cosmetic which you purchased to, to alter the look of your character. So try to wrap your head around that for just a minute, saying this is a virtual world, a virtual fantasy world, fantasy game, and people are, that's free to play, and people are completely encouraged to play it for free, and yet here on this page alone, on this web page alone, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, 29 pages of the costume showcase, what they call it. They're the, what, what people have invested money in to adorn their characters. This, this person has gone, this person has probably spent 
for this look, easily, easily upwards of $50, possibly more. Um, some of these like orbiting things and the orbiting planets and like the galaxy effects and all that kind of stuff. These, some of these effects are 10 or $15 each. And it's fascinating in a way. And yet, when we consider it, how different is it really than fashion? Here we have a, uh, this, the Rodarty Crodart collection from fall 2021. And here we see fantasy images, people dressed up with these looks, right? It says right here, right? The, the, the look for 33. Now, clearly, some of these pieces are, there's, we, we can't say that there's a great deal of functionality necessarily to any of these pieces. It's just pure fashion. What's interesting also is that it's, I think this is, this is supposed to be a, a, a man or this is a man or maybe a transgender or who knows. It's one of the many pronouns that, um, but in any case, there are the, 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 this is supposedly for men and, and women, this uh, collection. And people spend, if we think it's strange that people spend real money on, on fantasy outfits for their digital avatar in an MMORPG, well, what you see in this fashion collection, these pieces will cost hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. It'll cost like, you know, hundreds, if not a thousand dollars or more to, to create this look, this fantasy look for what is effectively our alter ego. This is not a new phenomenon. Right? This is whatever you say about the actual fashion itself. Uh, the fact of the matter is that this phenomena takes place all the time, all around us. And fashion is very much a sort of social pressure, a peer pressure the pressure to fit in and blend in with everyone else or to to be fashionable to be stylish other people look a certain way and we feel left out or we feel strange or people feel strange or they or they want to express themselves and so they express themselves through their 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 clothing their appearance but remember, we're talking about alter egos and secret identities. And we keep coming back to where we began, and that is the question of the hero who 
who is the hero who is the alter here and who who is the alter ego this is not a new question none of this is a new phenomenon It is very much the case that individuals will dress a certain way. You may have heard the expression, dress for success. Buy your power suit, right? Don't forget to wear your power suit or your power outfit if you're a woman. When you're going to your big sales meeting or your big presentation. There's another expression of this, which you may be familiar with, or perhaps not. And that expression is what's known as cosplay. Now, cosplay is where individuals will dress up as their favorite superheroes or their favorite video game characters or their favorite, in this case, this is from the Anime Expo 2018. And again, this is just another gallery, but you can see these are adults, these aren't kids, dressing up as anime characters mostly, but some of these will be video game characters. And let's not take anything away from the craft work the, that goes into some of these because you can tell the amount of coordination and time and effort that some of these people put into their uh, dress up their their cosplay is uh quite extraordinary and just think about the time and energy and effort that these individuals put into dressing up as fictional characters characters from modern mythology because certainly anime for the most part is contemporary mythology like superheroes like comic books they're very archetypal and they have they can have a strong relationship to ancient mythologies many of them are based on ancient myths and legends and they're just modern adaptations of those a lot of anime actually is one-to-one -one based on ancient mythology etc here this obviously this is Pokemon um, we are certainly not familiar with all the characters that are being <laughs> represented here there's no way we're not we're not into anime or anything so But you get the idea. This is Hello Kitty Samurai. So some of the ways in which these get mashed together in people's imaginations uh, are, or people's fantasy. But it begs the question, what's going on here? What, what is it and what's the difference between dressing up 
as a superhero, dressing up as a hero versus the actual hero itself in the mythology that has an alter ego versus dressing up in fantasy clothing for this ego And then one considers, we're going to turn the sound off on this. This is a clip from Waldemar Janizak's documentary series on the Rococo. And in this documentary, he reveals that one of the great pastimes of the Rococo period was for the well-to-do to play dress up. It was the precursor to what would eventually be known as the masquerade ball. But during the Rococo, what they would do is dress up as satyrs or gods or characters from Greek and Roman mythology. And they would hang out in the gardens, these lavish and have these lavish parties with a great deal of alcohol involved, and of course, a great deal of fraternizing and a great deal of sex. They would dress up as the gods, they would dress up as mythological beings, and they would behave as those beings behave on a literal surface level in Greek mythology, right? There's a lot of sex in Greek mythology, there's a lot of drama, there's a lot of soap opera going on. And we highly recommend Waldemir Janizak's documentaries on the various different periods of art. He has, has a great deal of insight into this particular topic. And you can, you can extract, even though he doesn't draw these conclusions for you, if you watch his documentaries in a meditative state, you can extract a great deal of knowledge from his accurate descriptions of the mindset of society and culture during these periods and how specifically how it relates to art and architecture because remember art and architecture are reflections and expressions of the psyche of the age but the rococo didn't invent this the rococo didn't invent this activity of dressing up like the gods and partying and getting together in other words what we see in modern times, what we call cosplay, people dressing up as the characters of modern mythology and getting together and partying and drinking and having a lot of sex because that's what happens at a lot of these, uh, these fan cons, these conventions. And that's one of the reasons why nerd culture does this, right? It's one of their ways of being able to meet new people and and it's the Greeks were doing this way back uh, where's our nah where is it ah oh, here it is the Greeks were doing this way back during their Dionysian festival which is basically the same thing. 
the Greeks would put on masks and put on costumes and dress up like the gods or satires or other mythological beings. And they would get really drunk and have wild sexual orgies and whatnot. So this is not a modern new phenomenon. And whether it's masquerade, next week is going to be Halloween. And perhaps you or people you know will be dressing up as monsters or characters or who knows what and going to parties and perhaps drinking alcohol, perhaps meeting you people, doing, you know, whatever. There's even the, the this here, the alter ego t-shirts. These t-shirts, you put them on and all of a sudden you look like Captain America, and you look like Iron Man, you look like Thor. <laughs> and they call them alter ego t-shirts. What can we learn from all of this? What's going on? To help us, this is a, we included this slide because this is a, a magazine about comic books and the comic book industry. And it's called Alter Ego. Shazam here is on the cover. And uh, he shows, the cover shows him laying waste to a bunch of other superheroes. Because Shazam is a sort of com um, comical comic book hero. But to help contextualize our analysis here, this is Rama and Hanuman. And Rama here is embracing Hanuman. Hanuman, we've mentioned him before, is the monkey god and many Hindus believe he is one of the greatest gods, one of the most powerful gods, because he performs all of these great feats, these heroic deeds. And even though he works for Rama, he is one of Rama's servants, one of and one of the the, the gods who serve Rama. He is considered to be the greatest or among the greatest because of his heroic deeds. But he works for Rama. Rama is the hero. Hanuman is the hero's servant. But they are bound. And Rama loves Hanuman. And he commands Hanuman, and Hanuman performs great deeds in his name. What does the relationship between Rama and Hanuman have to do with superheroes and their alter egos? With the Dionysian festival? With contemporary cosplay? With 
with video game video games and the alter egos the characters that we, that uh, players create in video games what is the connection and and between fashion that people spend a great deal of money on and you know something is important to someone when they spend money on it in the same way that here in path of exile we showed you uh people spend some people spend an exorbitant amount of money on completely virtual costumes for their tunes their avatars in what is for all intents and purposes a free to play game so much so that these these players actually finance the game and this company that makes this game is quite profitable because of players desire to 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 create tunes and avatars which are adorned with all of these expensive costumes and then of course they get to show off their characters in things like this character showcase oh and by the way you can also buy pets um and a lot of these uh costumes come with special lighting effects and all sorts of stuff so clearly there's a there's you can really make an impression on other players the more money you spend in much the same way that vogue magazine will try to convince you that you can make an impression on people if if you spend the right amount of money on you know various looks and they'll go to great lengths to show you these looks right the ready these are the ready to wear collections and these uh so-called fashion designers But it begs the question, what's going on? Is it, is, it's easy to say, well, it's just ego. Like the very word alt, but what is this? There is something going on here when we say alter ego. When we talk about alter egos and we talk about heroes, Presumably, these heroes have egos. So what is this alter ego? It's this fake identity. It's a another character, another persona that we are we are assuming. If we look specifically, at the phenomena of well the phenomena of cosplay especially when it comes to now we don't have a we don't have a uh, 
slideshow for superhero cosplay. But if we look at this phenomenon and compare it to the Rococo and compare it to the Dionysian festival and feel into that with our consciousness and say, what is the impetus for individuals to dress up like gods and act out the superficial physical material on the superficial physical material level act out and play gods and goddesses and spend all this time and money and energy into these costumes into and planning for months and months and months and then spending the money to travel to these conventions, let's say, or in the case of the Dionysian festival, people would come to the capital, would come to to Athens. So, and then they would they would do the same thing, like in the Rococo, they would go out to the countryside to these lavish parties. They would th someone would throw the lavish party. Just consider the costs of that. And then again, these, these costumes, because everyone would be judging each other on the level of creativity, the level of artistry in their costume. And then they would be judging each other on another level entirely, depending on what sorts of physical and sexual activities they ended up partaking with one another. And as you can see, a lot of these costumes uh, don't leave much to the imagination in terms of uh, physical, well, we're talking anime here anyway, but certainly even in superhero costumes or, um, and it was certainly the same thing for the Dionysian festival. So again, we asked the question, why dress up like a superhero and party or dress up like what superheroes and these characters are essentially gods. They're their modern modern mythology. Um, they are they are persona that are idolized. They are idols. Why why do people do this? Apart from the obvious sorts of answers well it's a hobby well they like it well they're identified with these characters or they're identified with the series or they or or they like the social aspects of it they're they're members of the fandom they're members of nerd culture they want to hang out with like-minded people yes 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 that's all fine and fine and good but remember this goes all the way back to the dionysian festival and the Rococo period, and the masquerades of the Renaissance and the and the the Enlightenment. So, why? <clears throat> yes, Melissa, it's a facade. 
Of course. Adam says, getting to imagine you can experience being something or someone that you think you could never be in real life. Yeah, so there's a fantasy element to that, right? There's a, like when we were children and we played dress up, like when we were children, let's say, and we tied a, a blanket or a towel around our neck and we pretended to be Superman. We played Superman for that day. So there's, there's an element there. But why would an adult, does an adult do it for the same reasons? as a child well a representation of the ego perhaps perhaps because many certainly many people dress up for Halloween and they'll dress up as witches or sorcerers or whatever and they'll 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 have some kind of expression of power some powerful being and we all know that the ego loves its power and control so it can be an, e an, an egoic expression. But then again, isn't an egoic expression also the clothes that you wear? Is this also not an expression of ego? And yet this, this fashion, this is not dressing up like a god or dressing up like a superhero. This is, this is well, this is what it is. So let us ask you this question. How easy is it? Atman is Brahman, though. The universal self has dressed up as human since our eternity. Yes, this is true. This is true, Adam. Yeah. This is true. But we're not talking about that in this instance. Because on the simplest level, the universal self, does the universal self, is he really dressing up? Is it the same thing? Or is the universal self becoming? He becomes, he experiences to know himself. The absolute knows itself through its creation, through itself. It's not pretending. The universal self doesn't pretend. The being doesn't isn't pretending. We can get into that in, in a deeper level. What what part of us pretends? What part of us deals in fantasy and deals in in deception correct and how easy is it how easy is it to embody the virtues of a hero, of a superhero, or of a of a god, of a mythological being. How easy is it for us to become that, to embody that? 
to embody the virtues that the hero embodies and exhibits. Is that, is that easy to do? Or is it difficult? And does the ego prefer to do difficult things or easy things? And in fact, is the ego even compatible with virtue? Isn't the whole, isn't the whole point of superheroes is that they are altruistic and they do think they think of others first? Isn't that what Superman and Batman and and why people look up to them and that they fight crime and they 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 give of themselves and they're they're selfless and isn't it isn't it the very virtue and the archetype of the sacrifice the self-sacrifice in the superhero isn't that which people admire why people admire luke skywalker for example as a character and is that even compatible with ego? And that's why these superheroes, very often, you will find in comic books, the exploration of the superhero having a, a an, coming into conflict with their own alter ego, where Superman and Clark Kent are actually in a constant psychological battle with each other. Adam says, it's quite difficult when the whole world works against you to be godly. Well, that's true. How much easier is it to dress up like a superhero and pretend to be a superhero? than it is to imbue and embody the virtues of a hero. This is the singular explanation for the Dionysian festival, the, the Rococo festivals, and modern-day cosplay. What you see here is idolatry. It's a form of idolatry. Because it's easier to play dress-up and pretend to be a god. It's not easy takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of skill, and in many cases, takes a lot of money. It takes a great investment to become a fan, which is short for fanatic. That's the hard truth about fandom. Fan is short for fanatic. Does the word fanatic strike you in your heart as someone who is doing the work and is attempting to follow the teachings and is attempting to embody 
the the divine in themselves? I certainly know. A fanatic is someone who's an idolater, who dogmatically believes and dogmatically follows this or that or the other thing, and they will invest a great deal of their time and effort and energy and money into their religion, into their mythology, into their fandom, into whatever it is they're identified with. In this case, it's these anime, it's anime and anime characters and the fandom. Because this, no matter how difficult this is, this is physical, it's material, it's external, it's exoteric, it's wholly in the wheelhouse of ego, and it is a classic bait and switch. It is pleasure, it is satisfaction, it is social acceptance, it's social credits, it's making an impression on others, it's wowing others, it's showing one's devotion and dedication as a fan, as a fanatic, as an idolater. It is idolizing and becoming an idol for others to idolize even if only for a weekend at the convention. But men, for many of these people, preferably so much that, that others will be so attracted and so impressed and idolize their, their expression of the character so much that they will want to sleep with them. They will want to shower them with love and affection and, and, and attention. Because that's one of the things that cosplayers get is a great deal of attention because they're surrounded by fans and they dress up as these characters that are immediately recognizable to the fans. I don't recognize half these characters, but I'm not into anime. But believe me, the people at this convention who are into anime, they know who these characters are. They knew they know what these what this cosplay is. This is a powerful real world practical example of something which has been taking place in every culture since since the fall of this humanity where people dress up and play pretend and dress up as the characters relating to their mythologies and their religions it's the same thing if you go to africa and you go to their rites and their rituals. It's the same thing when you go to, for example, even the Catholic Church or Christian Mass 
Catholic mass or a Christian uh, service where the priest is assuming the role of Jesus. And they perform, they, they reenact the Last Supper. Now, you can argue to one degree or another the appropriateness of that because there, there is a time and place for that. And there is power in that reenactment. There is power and meaning in that reenactment when it's done consciously. And there is power and meaning in rituals. But just keep in mind that as time goes on, like the telephone game, these things get passed down one generation to another, to another, to another, till eventually the truth of the ritual and the truth of the, the esoteric meaning and the symbols and the allegories of the ritual are lost and what's left is the exoteric level. And that's certainly what's on display here when we consider cosplay. That's certainly what was on display when you saw the Dionysian festival in ancient Greece, which is the precursor, not only the precursor to all festivals in the West anyway, of, of a mythological of this of this variety where individuals dress up as this or that deity or this or that divine being. And then it's an excuse to have a party. And it's an excuse to discuss their love and their passion and the theories and their beliefs around all this mythology, around all these properties, these so-called franchises. Because the same can be said for Star Wars and Star Trek and, again, comic books and the Marvel movies, etc., etc. The list goes on. What's important to remember or realize is when we look at someone who's doing cosplay, it is a facsimile of a facsimile. It is the superhero is the true self, our innermost, our true, our true self, Rama. The alter ego, the ego is the character, the avatar. That's Hanuman, the monkey, right? We're, we're very ape-like. Even this, the anthropologists would agree with that. We have our monkey mind and our, all of our faculties. So when we dress up like this and dress up like gods, dress up like superheroes, dress up like whatever, we're, we're 
playing and pretending and the ego is getting us to act on our intuitive knowing that our birthright is to be this is to be our true self is to be the hero is to serve the hero so when Hanuman performs his feats, he performs his feats with the power of Rama. But the ego is so clever, it can turn that around and externalize it. So these people, and we've spent quite a bit of time observing the so-called fandom. What fandom teaches us is how religions degenerate and how mythologies shift and are transformed and devolve from symbols and allegories of truth and how-to guides on how to become a Buddha, a Bodhisattva, and how to become a Superman, a Wonder Woman. Those mythologies are degenerated into literal stories of fiction, a fantasy that are there to be to entertain us and amuse us and the characters are there for us to mimic in entertainment in as an activity as a social pleasurable recreation feel into that word just for a moment recreation do you not see and hear in the word recreation the word recreation Clearly, whether it's Halloween, Halloween parties, masquerade balls, the, the, the dress-up orgies of the Rococo period or the Dionysian festival, or the modern comic book, anime, video game conventions and the cosplaying that takes place there, some of which, which is highly sexualized. Uh, in terms of costumes, particularly for the women. They're recreating something. But what they're recreating 
they're doing as an act of recreation. Whereas in many cases, not all, but in many cases, the properties that they're identified with, that they're drawn to, that they feel an affinity for, are showing them the hero's journey and are showing them these characters, these, these heroes, these gods, essentially, or lesser gods or demigods, these embodiments of virtue and sacrifice. And in many, many cases, not all, but many, many, many cases, whether it's The Matrix, Star Wars, Superman, Batman, the list goes on and on. These contemporary mythologies are rife with esoteric knowledge. Certainly, they follow the pattern of the hero's journey, the Aum of life, descending into hell, defeating the evil there, and returning and liberating the kingdom from the darkness. That journey that we go around and around and around and around, and that creates the spiral of our inner growth, of our inner evolution, of our inner hero. But cosplay doesn't turn people into Superman and Wonder Woman. Because that process is an act of creation and every act of creation is an act of destruction. It's an act of death, ego death, psychological death and birth of the human soul, birth of the inner Superman, the inner Wonder Woman, the source of that strength. Because as we know, the S on Superman's chest is the symbol of the house of L. L meaning God. Superman's real name is Kal-El. His father is Jor-El. El as in Elohim. Gods and goddesses. El, God. Ela, goddess. Elohim, gods and goddesses. So El is God, like as in Allah. So anytime you see the prefix El, it's referring to God or godliness or divinity. But it's an S. And we know that that symbol of the S is two things. It's the Sig rune, which is the rune of the, which is the symbol of the Christ, but it's also the snake, the serpent, which is the sign of the Kundalini. And those two things are identical. They're the same. The descending Sig rune is the same as the rising serpent, because the rising serpent is the Divine Mother Devi Kundalini Shakti. That is the descended, that's just the Christ descended into the root chakra. But ask anybody who's cosplaying Superman if they know any of this. And if they know, if they're actually, and if they're actually working on themselves to transform themselves into 
a Superman. It's interesting that you say that, Benjamin. Have did you seen the latest on this? That uh, Superman's what is it? Superman's son is now bisexual or gay or something. They announced that. That's going to be in the comic books. There is no there is no end to the perversion that uh, is that is going on. So what's important for us to recognize here is that <clears throat> very often people like to point fingers at organized religion and blame organized religion for this belief or that conditioning or these lies or these this or that the other thing and there is a there's a good deal of blame to spread around and hopefully what we've been able to show you tonight so far at least is that this blame extends into the followers of religion, of mythology, and to the people themselves. Because there is nobody, there is no organization, there is no priesthood, there is no anyone or anything outside of these people which is impressing upon them the behavior of cosplay you can call it social pressure you can call it peer pressure if you want but you can see in this photo not everybody at this convention is dressed up as anime characters Right? And don't even believe they are misled in moments. This is their own choice. It's their decision to become fanatics, to become fans. It's their decision, it's their choice to dress up and I and and become and fantasize and become objects of idolatry. To idolize these characters and then assume those characters identities in a highly sexualized way in order to become the in order to become the objects of desire and the objects of other fanatics idolatry but this is this is Does that sound spiritual to you? <laughs> Does that sound like authentic spirituality? Now ask yourself, 
when you go onto Facebook, and there are countless, countless people on Facebook, many of them women, but not all, because, of course, there are also countless men masquerading as gurus. And they are masquerading as gurus. It is, it, it is idolatry, Benjamin. It is completely idolatry. Like all those gurus out there with the long white beard and dressed up in, like in in uh, in Middle Eastern clothes, or you know, dressing up like Buddha might have, or like Gandhi did, or like Jesus did, or whatever. Like you know, they you know, and then they and they they talk a certain way, and they have a certain way of acting about it. In other words, they're playing a role, they're playing a part. But what the part that they're playing? is to be the object of idolatry because they want followers they want a flock they want followers they want people they want the attention and in many cases they want the money that flows with that in the case of the cosplayers they want the attention and they want the sex which comes with it that's one of the things that happens at these at these uh, conventions this nerd culture nerds get together and they have a common platform they can all get along they they they're all believers they go to these conventions they talk themselves out they meet each other blah 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 and then after the convention in the evenings that's where the parties start and they all go off to their parties with each other and then it's just what was happening at the Dionysian festival and it's just the same thing that was happening in the in the rococo they're dressing up as their modern day gods these characters from from comic books and film and fantasy and anime etc etc and video games the inversion of the sexual force because the time and the effort and the energy which goes into creating cosplay like this that's serious serious investment of sexual energy that's serious serious investment of of one's vital energy one's right i mean can you even begin to imagine the hundreds of hours that it took for this individual to create this to create this 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 cosplay okay so let's see if we can make it this is as big as we can make it uh roy we can't make it any bigger than that Hang on a second. Let's see. Save image as. Let's see if we can. Uh, it's got to be here somewhere. No, it's no, it's not.
Okay. How's that, Roy? That's as big as we can make it. We can't make it any bigger than that. So again, just imagine the time and the effort and the energy that this individual put into this, uh, this costume, this cosplay. That's sexual energy. Because this is a creative act. Like this, this recreation, this recreation, remember the relationship between those two words. This is an act of creation. This, this takes great creative skill to be able to do this. It's handiwork, it's craft work, it's sewing, it's cutting, it's painting, it's gluing, it's who knows what else went into this. We don't, I don't know. But you can tell by looking at it that this was not, this was not something that this individual slapped together in a weekend. How people choose to spend their creative energy says a lot. Now, we also we also showed you the the MMORPGs, and those games are what can be called. Uh, a life sink because there are people who live online in these virtual worlds in these MMOs and they create their alter ego they create their character and they if you know anything about World of Warcraft you know that there's that that game was for some people so addictive that there were people who didn't eat they didn't sleep they didn't go to the bathroom. They didn't bathe for months at a time. They were completely immersed and lost in the game world. And that's another thing which we can learn about idolatry and about cosplay and about this, about fandom and about fanaticism. And that's attachment and identification. And that if someone can be so identified and lost inside of a virtual game world called World of Warcraft, why is it so hard for people to grasp that we are lost in this virtual reality called life inside of this tune, this character, this avatar that we identify with as our character, that we spend all kinds of money on clothes, and makeup and tattoos, which we talked about recently. It's all, it's all a bait and switch, right? The, the ego is just baiting and switching us into believing that we are the character and not the, not the, the, the player, the hero inside. Melissa says, this even goes as far as our children dressing up for education week in schools 
So it's also bred into our younger generation, sadly. That's the problem, Roy says. They are busy to, to games and about where we are now in a real game, they don't, they're not aware that we're asleep. Melissa, it's not wrong for children to play dress up. Playing dress up and playing different characters and playing out those stories and scenarios as children, that's part of being a child. That's part of growing up. To, to That helps develop our imagination. It helps develop, and it also helps to establish the notion that what Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and we are but poor players fretting and strutting our, our way around the stage. So, so playing as playing as children is an essential aspect of, of growing up and as a special it's an essential aspect of childhood because as innocent children we can play without becoming identified as we get older however the experiential knowledge which we gained through the act of playing should be that, aha, okay, my innermost being, myself, is just here playing this role. But more than playing is embodying this role. He chose to play this character, which is another, which is another aspect that we can learn from the fact that we create these virtual worlds, these MMORPGs, and that people do this cosplay. Because again, it's a bait and switch. In the Bible, it says God created man in his own image. And then what we've done is we've created these virtual realities, these fantasy worlds, to play out our desires and to play out what we cannot do in the physical world. We play out in these fantasy worlds. But in many cases, it's a bait. It's a bait and switch. So there are some positive aspects to it, but there's also negative aspects to it. What we are here. So. Let's go, um, no, we can't. Yeah, okay. When we are children playing, for example, when I was a child and I was playing Luke Skywalker, right? We revealed in our video 
about the Skywalker apocalypse, how we wore out the Empire Strikes Back on videotape. We watched it so many times. We knew that Luke Skywalker embodied virtues that spoke to us on the level of our soul. Now, when we were playing Luke Skywalker as a kid, we were just playing Luke Skywalker. But as we got older, we, we began internalizing not Luke Skywalker, the character, but we began internalizing the virtues of Luke Skywalker, the character, what that character represented what he was an expression and an archetype of that was what we and but we internalized that we didn't dress up like luke skywalker we didn't go to star wars conventions we didn't do any of that stuff we're we're tremendous we we absolutely love the star wars series but we love it because it is a mythology it is a high mythology for the modern age We've never gone to a Star Wars or a Star Trek convention, but we've we have watched every single Star Trek episode multiple times, and we've seen every Star Wars movie multiple times. And Empire Strikes Back, we've seen so many times that we couldn't even tell you, because that's the spiritual heart of the trilogy, of the original trilogy. And it's the spiritual heart of the entire Skywalker saga, as it turns out. Because out of nine movies, the fourth movie, Empire Strikes Back, episode, uh, sorry, it's the, episode, the fifth movie, episode uh, five, Empire Strikes Back, is the spiritual heart of the entire Skywalker saga, which is a, sky, which is a saga of the Christ, the Christic force. Skywalkers are an allegory for the Christ, which is why at the end of episode nine, the title had to be the rise of Skywalker. Even though fans hate it, Star Wars fans, most Star Wars fans hate the rise of Skywalker and they hate most of the, the, the uh, sequel trilogy and for good reason. But, but they've missed the point of all of Star Wars. Star Wars is not uh, lightsabers and 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 the Millennium Falcon and blasters and droids. Star Wars is the war within us between our inner Jedi and Sith for the stars, for our potential to become one with the stars, to join the great fraternity of the stars the great fraternity of the cosmo creators because at the heart of every star is a cosmo creator and that connection with the sun that's what superman has in our modern times superman is jesus in old times so superman is a a symbol of the christ 
He's a bodhisattva. He's a he's he he gets his power from the sun. He gets his strength from the sun. That's where all his strength comes from. And the S, as we explained, is the Sigrun and the divine and the Kundalini. Um, even though many people don't like it, the film Man of Steel, the the most recent Superman film, Man of Steel, was a triumph. We when we when we watched that movie. When the credits rolled, we just sat in our chair and just cried tears of joy for the entire length of the credits. Because it was such a powerful and it was not, many people felt disappointed because that Superman, Man of Steel, didn't people felt it didn't stay true to Superman's uh, embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way, like the Richard Donner Superman uh, did in the late 70s and early 80s. Christopher Reeve's Superman, in other words. But what, what Zack Snyder's Superman was, was more true to what the archetype of Superman, what he really embodies. And it's not truth, justice, and the American way. It's the truth, light, and love of the Christ. And, and Man of Steel embodied that more than the Richard Donner Superman did. Even though we loved the Richard Donner and Superman. I mean, we saw that as a child in the movie theater. And we love Christopher Reeve. We think that he was an excellent Superman. And Superman is... Yeah, Man of Steel, right? Man of Steel, Iron Age. And, and we know you've seen our meme of Iron Man and Iron Man and Ultron. We know you've, we've shown you this many times because we are in the iron age and well we know you've we we know we've shown you this many times so man of steel is like iron man and in man of steel superman fights general zod and the other two who i always forget their names but but he fights three villains, the antithesis of Superman. They're, the, they're the, the adversary and the adversary of the House of El. And these three represent the... These three represent the three adversaries the three murderers of Hiram Abif, the three traitors of Jesus Christ, Judas, Caiaphas, and Pilate, the three witches of Macbeth, the three furies, and 
<laughs> and the three hyenas <laughs> from the Lion King. In so many stories, mythologies, films, etc., there are three traitors. The, the adversary to the hero comes in threes. And this is not by accident. And it's because of this, because we have our three brains that our egos infect. Our heart, our mind, and our body. Our, emo our mental center, our emotional center, and our motor instinctive sexual centers. Right? Oops. Let's do this again. No, 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 no. Yes, Roy, the three brains. Heart, mind, and body. Emotional center, mental center, and motor instinctive sexual center. Those are our three brains. You probably think we only have one brain, but that's wrong. That's false. We don't just have one brain. We have three brains. There are more synapses, nerve endings and synapses around the heart than there are in the brain. And there's an equal amount in our spinal column. And then it, that stretches out to, to all of the... So when they talk about the, uh, the lizard brain and the primitive brain and this brain and that brain, those are just, those are connecting aspects of the spinal column to the brain, but the spinal column and the, the central nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems are a brain. They constitute the motor instinctive and sexual centers. You can't tell me for a second that the sexual center doesn't have a brain of its own. We all know that. We all intuitively know that and we know that from experience. The sexual, the sexual center in the body has a brain of its own, has a mind of its own. Any young boy who's gone through puberty knows this. And it's the same thing for instinctive and motor centers. That's why the motor center here at the base of the skull, where the, the spine meets the skull, that's why we put leashes on dogs around their neck. Because you can get a dog to go where you want it to go because that's that's the motor center. And the emotional center, if you've ever had your heart broken, you know where you feel it first. Not here. You feel it here. And then the thoughts come. But... Anyone that does any type of extreme sport, skiing, uh, any type of gymnastics, any type of martial arts, any type of anything will tell you that if you try to think about what you're doing, you're dead. You think that someone doing somersaults and backflips on a BMX bike is thinking about what they're doing? This, 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 this brain is way too slow for that. This is the slowest brain that we have. 
our emotional brain is much faster than our mental center and our motor physical instinctive center is much faster than our emotional center because what it's dealing with is action reaction and it has to be laser sharp and very 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 fast to act and react because it's basic survival and everything else and we know that like just you 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 know that when for example someone tells you that your dog died or your grandma died you get punched in the gut first and then your brain registers what just happened but you feel it here boom it's the same thing with your physical body right you will feel something physically and you will react to it physically and then an emotion will come and then the brain will process what just happened you can see that that's depicted very often very accurately in film where people who get shot they look at themselves and they and they and they they're trying to what just happened they're just you know they're, they're they're touching the hole in their chest and they're looking at the blood and it's just i got shot like it's this brain is very slow compared to our other two brains and you can test this you can just observe yourself and you will experience the truth of this for yourself if you haven't already you can retrospect in meditation and go back to a time in your life when you were in a car accident or any or any type of emotional thing or physical thing happened to you and if you observe back on how you'll you'll remember that it was your brain that registered it last your body registered it first then your heart then your brain three brains and egos can occupy all three brains because remember we're electric beings we're energy beings and egos infect us all of our bodies like uh, computer viruses infect a computer now you know that if you have a computer virus in your computer it can get all over the place it get in your hard drive it get into your motherboard it can infect all kinds of stuff in your computer it can affect all sorts of different programs it can get all over the place if you have a virus or some sort of uh, pathogen in your body a bacteria or a pathogen a parasite that parasite can can go all over the place in your body egos are no different they can affect our mind they can affect our heart and they can infect our physical body that's why some egos like gluttony for example have such a powerful hold over our physical desires for example to eat and then lust has such a powerful hold over us and can use all three of our brains against us emotional mental and of course the sexual center lust obviously operates a great deal from the uh, the sexual center okay hopefully we're not haven't gotten too far off topic here so let's try to bring it back what then is the what then is the answer or like why go through this whole exercise 
Well, we talked about um, in our in the little ad that we made for this uh, for tonight's live stream. We talked about heroes and zeros and their alter egos. And we sort of want to bring it back to that because when we talk about things like cosplay, when we talk about things like idolatry, and when we talk about things like video games and, you know, the communities around these video games and the time and the energy that people spend on this sort of stuff. We have to ask ourselves, is this the work of their innermost being? Is this the work of their innermost hero? Is it the work of a hero to spend all this time and energy on video games or spend all this time and energy on on cosplay and what is the alter ego here because we what is the alter ego and what is the hero is this do you, do you feel in your heart this is the reason why this person was put on Earth? To dress up as an anime character. And do you feel in your heart like this property itself was created so that people would dress up like it. Was Superman created That's an interesting question, but let, let me I'll I'll answer I'll I'll No, those two two things are not related. Motherboard and Divine Mother, no, it's that's not why it's called Motherboard. Um, coming back to what we're talking about here, was Superman created for us to dress up, for us to play dress up? Is the myth is Greek mythology was Greek mythology created so that the Greeks could have the Dionysian festival? Apollo and Eros and Psyche and Venus. Were all of these, was, was that mythology divinely inspired so that people could get together, dress up like those characters, and, and drink lots of wine, and have lots of sex? Is that why mythology was created? So then, but... These heroes 
have their alter egos in order to be here and now. If the alter ego dresses up like a hero, does that make them a hero? Or does it make them a zero? Like so many people in the new age, they do their Reiki, they have their crystals, they do their affirmations, they might even meditate. They take their psychedelics, they go into the astral plane, and they believe, they believe that they're awake, they believe that they're gods already, they believe all this stuff. They're going through the motions. They're going through the motions. It's like Christians who go to church every Sunday, they read the Bible, they pray before they eat every meal. They're going through the motions. Like Buddhists, I've been to many people, many Buddhists' home. They invite me upstairs. They invite me into their prayer room. They show me their altar. They show me their statues of Buddha. They're so proud. They're so happy. These are the statues of Buddha they pray to. Look at how beautiful they are. They're covered in gold, etc., etc. going through the motions. Cosplay. Very impressive uh, at times. Okay? But just very superficial going through the motions. Fanaticism, dogma, belief, you know, idolatry. You have all these words for this, for fandom, fanaticism. But going through the motions. Superficial, external. And highly sexual, sexualized. Desire-based, recreation, recreation, not death and rebirth, not real creation not creation recreation so we just wanted to share this with you this was brought to our well brought to our attention this is something that we've mentioned in our in our video the Skywalker apocalypse because Star Wars is one of those properties that has annual conventions they call it the Star Wars celebration Star Wars is one of those properties where uh, the fans are truly fanatical they're they're absolutely devoted and dedicated to Star Wars or so they believe but they're going through the motions they're trapped in the superficial trappings of Star Wars, and then very few of them, precious, precious few of them,
appreciate it on the level of truth, on the on the level of the deeper significance and the truth of the mythology. And that unfortunately is true for a lot of fans and a lot of fandom around the world and a lot of different properties which have a lot to say and a lot to teach. And they're just absorbed on the on the surface level. Like all the people playing these video games that have a lot to teach about what it means to grow and develop and gain experience and gain levels, the levels of the being. But very, very, very precious few of them know anything about any of that because they become obsessed, identified and obsessed with the video game on the superficial level. So much so that they invest huge amounts of time and effort and money into the way their character looks on screen, the way, the, the way they can impress other people in the community. And as we showed, it's like it's much the same, um, right? For for this character that we inhabit, and the fashions that we spend time and money and energy on the way we look, and impressing others, and making a good impression etc etc because when we go to this place or when we go to that place we have to play the part we have to look the part we have to fulfill our role play the role whatever that role is workplace social circle whatever the case may be and so many times we have to wear the uniform whatever that may be And again, as you can see, it's very often highly sexualized, right? And yet also there's very often this element of grandeur, grandiosity to it, to the clothes Again, this power suit concept, the clothes make the man. Or when, you know, a woman gets married in this white wedding gown and it's, she's, you know, made to look like the Madonna or like the Virgin Mary, like the Virgin Mary or like an angel or whatever. It's, it's, it's another, it's like another kind of dress up. It's like another kind of cosplay. But cosplay, all of this, cosplay, costumes, fashion, power suits, it's all a diversion. It's all a bait and switch. Getting this alter ego to believe that this is this. That this is a that this is the same as as this 
but this is outside and this is inside cosplay is outside our innermost obviously is inside our work is in here our hero is in here and we become hanuman the monkey god the god the monkey imbued with the power of god when we serve our inner hero when we become the robin to our innermost batman to when we become jarvis and the iron man suit to our innermost tony stark and iron man in the iron age when we do that then then we're on the right track 